Okay. The parsha is Vayakel. Uh, Vayakel, as you know, is a repeat of Tetzavah. A lot of the things of Vayakel about building the Mishkan has already been presented to us in Tetzavah. And that's why uh, it's very easy to do Pamayim Mikra V'Echot Targum. Because all you have to do is Tetzavah and Rashi. I mean, Vayakel and Rashi. So Vayakel is a short parasha, and there's no Rashi, hardly. So this is a good week to start by Mayim Mikro, Ve'echot Targum. Targum, we learn Rashi, that's what we usually do. But there is an issue in Vayakel that I would like to uh, take note of. Let's look at the Pesukim. Vasab Betzalel Va'oliyav. Betzalel is Betzalel. Oliyav is his assistant. They're the ones who were given the uh, the charge of building the, the Mishkan, of actually doing it. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu was in charge, but Betzal of Aliyav were in charge of doing it. <coughs> we call Ishachan Leiv. Call Ishachan Leiv. People who have special talents. Chacham Leiv. They had uh, smart hearts. Hashem Natan Hashem Chochmah Utvuna Bahem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave them these qualities of Chochmah and Tvuna. Ladad Lasot, Ladad Lasot, to know and to do. Et Kol Melechet Avodat HaKadosh, the Kol Hashem Tzivah HaKadosh Baruch So this is a good introduction. Also, Pitzal and Aliyah were in charge of the actual. Uh, a building. They did it. Then they had all sorts of artisans that they used for this purpose. And we understand that these talents are God-given talents. Right? Some people are really good at certain things, and those were the people who were chosen. <laughs> repetition. So this passage basically says that Moshe Rabbeinu was in charge of B'Tzalel and Oliyav because he called them and he charged them. Pasuk Gimel. Vayikhum lefnei Moshe et kol ha-truma asher eviyu b'nei Yisrael m'lechet avodat ha-kodesh la-sot otam v'em eviyu elav od nidava b'boker b'boker. And so they started. How did they start? Vayikhu. And they took Milfnei Moshe. I guess Moshe Rabbeinu was overseeing this process. They took Ekola Chuma. Chuma means all that was donated. Everything that was donated for the building of the Mishkan. They they view a love odni davar This the structure here is a little strange. I mean odni davar Like it's sort of on on that day they collected all the stuff that had been donated, and then the donations continued to the next day. Why it says baboker baboker in the pasuk is not obvious, but we'll get back to that. <coughs> So all of these artisans came to do whatever they knew how to do. 
Pasuk He. Vayomru El Moshe Lemon. And they looked around, and everybody had a certain job, right? You're going to make the menorah, and you're going to make the aron, and you're going to make uh, the kruvim. And everybody had to take what they needed. You needed gold, you needed silver, you needed nails, you needed whatever it was. It was all donated. And each person, each chachamlev, each uh, artisan, took whatever he needed. And listen to this. Imagine this in a Jewish uh, organization. They're bringing, they, they, it's too much, the donations, that the, the, you know, that thermometer that they make, you know, it's, it's burst at the top. We, we don't need all this stuff that they're building. I mean, it's going to be wasted, I, I guess, or, or, or they, they said enough. We don't need any more stuff. We don't need any more donations. We have everything we need, and we can build a mishkan. That's what that's what they said to Moshe Rabbeinu. So, okay, you know, like there's this use of verbs here that's not so obvious. But the Pasuk means Moshe Rabbeinu commanded, they sent the message around every place, Lemar. Ish Isha, right? Because the donations came from Ish and they came from Isha. Al Yasu Old Malacha, here it doesn't mean uh, to do the labor. But it means to donate what the labor will be done with, I guess. And we'll see what the what the misfortunes say. But this is a kind of an odd construction for us. Al yasu od kodesh. Stop collecting. Stop raising money. Right? We don't need any more. ha'am me'havi. And so they stopped. The people stopped bringing stuff for the uh, building of the Mishkan. V'amlacha hayta dayam lichol amlacha lasot ota and the last word v'hoter meaning they had enough stuff, the artisans had enough stuff, gold and silver and wood and whatever they needed to build all of the things that they were directed to build the hotel. And there was more. There was left over. And, you know, if you read the story, okay, it has a nice part to it. Is Israel willing to donate? You know, endlessly. Everything. They want to give everything to build a Mishkan. On the other hand, it's not clear why this issue is presented in the Torah. Okay, they wanted to bring even more. Okay, the Chachmei Leif came to Moshe Rabbeinu and told him, we have enough. Okay, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Bnei Israel, it's enough, we don't have to bring any more. Okay, but uh, they couldn't stop at that minute, you know, so it took them a little while, and so the end of the story was that there was left over. But as, as is usually the case, we're kind of demanding on the Torah. 
We would like to find meaning in things. And what possible meaning could there be? I mean, after all, when a person donates the money, he's donating objects, he has no way of knowing whether they need another piece of silver or gold or not until they tell him. And when they told them that they had enough, they stopped bringing. Oh, okay, so there was a little more. They stopped bringing when they told them, but there was already a little bit more. So why? I mean, what's it to me? What is it to me that there was a little more? What is it to me that they told them to stop? What, what, what is all of this to me? In terms of reading the Torah. In terms of reading the Torah. So if you look at... Uh, Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi has not much to say about, about this. But he, he, he raises a few technical points. It says, So Rashi says, and then at the end, in Pasuk Vav, he says, Vayikalei ha'amehavi l'shom mini'ah. And then there's something he says of a Pasuk Vav, which we'll get back to. Right, Pasuk Vav, we will get back to. I think, I think we understand that, that this question is a, like a prejudice question. If we were not prejudiced about the Torah, we would say, gee, I mean, I understand the words. I understand what happened. Let's go on to the next section. But since I have a prejudice, and my prejudice is that I'd like the Torah to give me information that is meaningful and even at times sublime. So I have, I make that into a passion. I call that into a, I call that a passion. But that's the, that's the tradition of learning. The tradition of learning is that you haven't learned it until it's meaningful. And as long as it this eludes meaningfulness, it really, you haven't done it. So let's look at the Ramban carefully. The Ramban is going to teach us something very important. The Ramban says this, Moshe, right? That's a Pasuk Gimel, Ekola Truma, that's Pasuk Gimel. So look at what the Ramban says. He may be Yom Echad. He viu kol anedava azot el oomu'ed shehu shel Moshe. So the Ramban explains it this way. Vayikhu milifnei Moshe. Where was Moshe? He was in his tent, which is the Ohel Mo'ed, according to the Ramban. And so they brought the donations to that spot. El Ol Moedu Shel Moshe. Vachachamim. Chachamim are the artisans, the, 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 the clever people who knew how to do special things, right? Vachu. Vachachamim, Slicha. Lachu Bobayom Lilifanav. Uvimacharat Bashkama. And the artisans, on the same day, the same day that people brought their donations, they came and they took the stuff. Each artisan knew what he needed, and he took it. And uvimokharat bahashkama. And they didn't finish on that day, so they had to come again the next morning to get whatever else they needed. They needed nails, they needed screws, they needed uh, cloth, whatever they needed. They came the next morning. 
and on that day, and therefore, on the second day, the Ramban says, they also brought Nidava, and he again told them to bring it to these artisans who had already, okay, the first day, the artisans came to get the stuff. But they had the stuff, but they were working. So on the second day, Moshe Rabbeinu told them, bring it to them. Bring it, don't bring it to me, bring it to them. Until the artisans sent back the message to Moshe Rabbeinu, saying that there's too much. They had enough, and they had more than enough. That's, what, that's how he tells the story. So the story is a story that takes place on two days. And that's the Rabban is going to explain why it says, Baboker, Baboker. Hey, view, I love only the Baboker, Baboker, right? Baboker means day one, and Baboker means day two. They brought on two days. And that second day, they realized that they had too much stuff. So here you have the Rabba, who just as an aside, asked the question this way, not the way we asked it, which was, what does this mean? What is it about? Why do I have to know about it? Right? He didn't say that. But the way he said it was, so the Ramban says, the inference of the Ramban is, if there was more, so the Torah should have told us, what did they do with the more? Where did they put it? Did they give it out to poor people? Did they, did they send it as a charity to some other organization? I mean, what they do with the extra? What they do with the extra? She says, if the Torah and the parish of Ayakim is so explicit about the fact that it was extra, then what would you expect? The Rabban says that someplace in the Torah at the end, in Parashat Kukudeh, where it talks about everything being finished, that the, that the Torah would say, and you know what they did with the extra? Whatever. So the Ramban answers the question. doesn't mean asking. He just answers the question and he says, so he gives a kind of a general answer. He says, this extra was not important enough, was not important enough to be mentioned in the parish of Pekude. It's like a, a mystery. It just disappeared. Ulai, he says, this is the Ramban, but the Ramban is, is, is worried about it. It bothers him. I mean, the Ramban do a lot of Torah. And he's worried about it. He says, what happened to this stuff that they brought? And he says, Ulai ayam oil hamishkan. What do you say? What's bedek? I mean, you should know. We know from Beit HaMikdash, bedek habayit. What's bedek habayit? Had to, oh, the, the Beit HaMikdash always had to be in repair. What? 
Yeah. And so there was money donated. We'll see in a minute how the money was donated. It was used, you know, to replace stones and to paint, paint the Beit HaMikdash, even the Kodesh Kodashim. That's what's called, called Betek Habayit. So the Ramban says an interesting thing. Lechazek Ba'at Betek HaMishkan. We never heard of this. This is Ramban's idea. Betek HaMishkan. He says, maybe it was the Chazek, it's Bedek HaMishkan. So, I mean, it's, a, it's an idea. But it's not an idea that hooks on to anything we've ever heard of. But the Rabban says, if they had to fill the fix the Beit HaMikdash, maybe they also had to fix the Mishkan sometimes. As we said, I guess. But we don't know. We don't know what, what this all means. Oh, La Sotba Klisha Reit. And there's a reference here to a Mishnah in Shkalim, which we'll see in a minute. Oh, he says, maybe it wasn't for Bedekabayit. Maybe it wasn't for Bedekabayit. Maybe it was for something else. Let's talk about Klisharet. The Klisharet, the, klisharet, the, the serving uh, uh, utensils, the tools are the tools that were used within the context of giving korbanot. Like Bedekabayit was the building. And Klisharet are the kalim, they get used up, right? You, you use tongs or you use a, a sensor or use it, you know, again and again and again. So you have to replace it from time to time. So some of it was used for Klisharet. So he says maybe the extra, the extra was used for making Klisharet. Maybe the Ramban means that since there's no limit on the number of klisharet that you make, like if you need a, a fork or you need a sensor for the ktoret, you can make as many as you want. You leave them in reserve. So maybe they did that. Ka'asher ya'asuba mitash v'motarot, as they did in the Beit HaMikdash, the time of the Beit HaMikdash, with stuff that was left over. Shkalim peret dalet halachadalet. We'll come back to that in a minute. V'eskiya katuv. Mardim Ha'am Avi. Another question we So why do we have to know this whole story? I mean, there's nothing happening here. There's no mitzvah. All I end up with is doubt on what they do with it, where they put it. What do I need it for? So he says, the Rabban says, L'shabech ha'am ha'meviim b'nidvatam u'lefa'eh ha'chachamim b'ne'emanutam Right? In other words, to give Shevach to B'nai Yisrael, and L'fa'er ta'am b'nei manutam, the Chachamim were believers. If you're not a believer, like I, like, you know, I buy, I buy handles for a, for a cupboard, I always want extras. Or put away extras. I know you never be able to get them, even though the handles of the cupboard never break. Hardly ever. But there's other people like that. Right? If you come from Brooklyn, you'll like that. <laughs> but they were Ne'emanim, the Chachamim. They said, we have enough. This is the Mishkan. This is God's building. What do we have to have spare tires for God's building? We don't have to have spare tires. It's going to work. It'll be as it should be. V'gam ha-Moshlim ba'amam. I'm sorry, V'gam ha-Magid alayhem mishubach ba'zeh shavir kol ba'machanelim so he says that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he, when he sent out this message, that he stopped bringing 
He said that it came from the artisans. And should know certainly that neither the artisans and certainly not Moshe Rabbeinu ever thought for a moment that they would take the profit from the, uh, you know, the, uh, this fundraising affair. You know, skim off a little bit, skim off a little bit at the top, you know, go out for a fancy dinner or do something that, you know, with the extra money. They didn't think of that. Kenyan Amar Moshe Rabbeinu himself said, Lo chamor echad mehem nasati. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I never took anything from Am Yisrael. According to the Ramban, this is what he's talking about. That Moshe Rabbeinu explicitly, immediately, he didn't say, okay, forget it, I'll have a little more, you'll, you'll be able to, you know, you have a little cash in the bank, that's fine. That wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu. That wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu. So here the Ramban. The Ramban leads us into a, a kind of a problem. I mean, Bedeka by it is a serious matter. And his suggestion is that the that there was a Bedek Habayit issue here. Because, even though Moshe Rabbeinu told them to stop bringing, there was nevertheless extra. And what happened to the extra? So the Rabban pulls out a concept that we know about from the Bayit, from the Beit HaMikdash, called Bedek Habayit. And he says, maybe he was put away for Bedek Habayit. But there is no mention of Bedek Habayit in the Chumash. No mention of Bedek Habayit. Where do we learn all these halachot from? So we will sh- I will show you. All these halachot come from a passage in Lachim Bet. Right? All these, they all come from Malachim Bet. Now I realize that Malachim Bet is an annoying Sefer. And when you learned it as children, you were properly annoyed by it. Because in every chapter, there's a new king. And the new king of Yehuda goes parallel to some other king from Yisrael. And when there's a new king from Yisrael, so there's an old king from Yehuda, who can keep track of that? And they all have, they all have strange names. The, what do I mean strange? They're not names that most of us use for our own children. Even though today in Eretz Yisrael, I guess blessedly, uh, people are looking for more names, like names that haven't been used over and over again. And so uh, one of the sources is, uh, you know, to look around in the Tanakh, to see if you can find a name that sounds good. But this parasha is about Yehoash, who was the son of Achaziah, Melech Yehuda. The fact that he was Melech Yehuda is important to us because, because Yehuda had control of Yerushalayim and the Beit HaMikdash. Because when we say Yehuda, we usually meet Yehuda and Binyamin. Right, you know that the southern part of Eretz Yisrael, the southern part of Eretz Yisrael today, everybody should know the map. I mean, you know, it appears in, uh, in driving tests, and sometimes you have to go someplace. So you, everybody should know the map. It's not like the Futlars, where this was esoterica, but this is the real Makkot. So Yerushalayim is the middle of Eretz Yisrael. It divides up, if you draw a horizontal line through Yerushalayim, whatever's the north of it is the north. 
and who owns the south of it is the south and the, the south of Eretz Yisrael is called Yehuda and Yehuda had the largest land mass of the twelve tribes from Yerushalayim as far as the eye could see south, southeast, southwest it's true that at the end of Yehuda at the bottom there was another tribe that had a small amount of territory which Shimon somebody say Shimon Shimon was there in the south and in the north of Yehuda there was a little tribe that sat right on Yerushalayim in fact the little tribe and the big tribe shared Yerushalayim and the Beit HaMikdash that area and that little tribe was called Binyamin so that when we say when we say Yehuda Melech Yehuda that includes Yerushalayim maybe it includes some of Binyamin as well we don't know what happened to Shimon exactly you know where they disappeared to but they disappeared <coughs> so there's a parish the Pesach says Ben Sheva Shanin Yehoashim Malcho you know he started young and he was seven years old when he became king of Yehuda Bishnat Sheva Yehu Melch Yehoash Ba'avim Shana Malach Be'erushalayim Mishayimot Sviyah Tziviyah Mibershah so he, there was peace in Yehuda between the Melech and the Kohen. Right? They worked together, which is always a good formula that didn't always happen. So Bamot was a well-known problem which was the result of the system and we'll come back to the back again right you remember the center of uh, Avodas Hashem was the Beit HaMikdash but the Beit HaMikdash was not easily accessible to all the people in Eretz Yisrael so the further away you got from the Beit HaMikdash the more it became uh, reasonable to expect people to look for alternatives I mean maybe they came to Yerushalayim once a year for those who were energetic could come two or three times a year but the rest of the year they'd be kind of on their own wherever they are so the Bamot, Bamot are high places right you know where they did various kinds of Avodah which was inherited from the idolatrous people who inhabited the land previously it was probably reconstituted to be a kind of a place where you could also serve Hashem, even though it was forbidden. I mean, it was forbidden by the halacha forbids Bamot after the Beit Hamikdash was was uh, was built. But uh, the people had various degrees of insubordination, right? They weren't all terrible people. That uh, some of them were just misguided. So he comes up with this great idea. It's hard to imagine that it was a new idea. 
And, and we don't know what the underlying motives were. We know that in later times, right, in the time of Bayat Sheni, the Kohanim were often a center of corruption. They were able to raise money by claiming it would go to a certain purpose and then use it for something else. Not all the Kohanim, of course, but they were Kohanim. And that was the, the Greeks were interested in the money. Remember, remember those stories, Hanukkah? We're now we're before Hanukkah, here in this, in this parish. So, Yehu Melech, I'm sorry, Yehoash, said, I want the money to go to Bedek Habayit. Vayehi b'shnata shibishaloshalam melech Yehoash. Lochis ku ha-kohanim et Bedek Habayit. And here they didn't listen. It wasn't done. Vayikra ha-melech liyohash liyodah goheim b'kohanim v'yoma lehem aduein chem mechazkim et Bedek Habayit. Meaning, how come there's no fund? How come there's no money to draw upon to to fix the Beit HaMikdash and to, to make everything the way it should be? How come it's run down? How come it doesn't get get repaired? So we see that there was a certain point of tension here between the king and the Kohanim. The king wanted the money to go to Bedek Habayit and the Kohanim somehow used the money, disappeared. The money disappeared. It wasn't used for Bedek Habayit. We don't know why. They agreed. They complied. Even though at first they didn't comply. But at the end they did comply. Right? And so Yehoyada, the friend, right? The friend of the king Yehoash, he took an Aaron, he took a Ark. And he, he made the first pushkin. That's what he made. It had a little hole on the side. And people could, it's better kabayit. It's organizing the social realities. It's working on uh, ethical and moral uh, principles. This all happened at the time of Yehoash. Uh, okay. Now I want you to understand that the halacha, that the halacha as represented in the Mishnayot in Shkalim, in some of the Mishnayot and Trumot. And then in uh, the Rambam, here's the Rambam who collects all of his halachot uh, together, has this to say about Bedek Abayit and about what happened in the time of Yehoash. And the halacha says that Bedek Abayit is a technical term. It's a technical term. It doesn't mean fixing but it means fixing anything that's mechubar lakarka. That's what Bedekabai is useful. What's mechubar lakarka? Examples. The walls, the doors, and the mizbeach. The big mizbeach in the courtyard, the big altar in the courtyard, is built out of the ground. Right? So that's called mechubar lakarka. 
you can't dislodge it easily, right? Walls of a building, mechubar lakarka. The floor is mechubar lakarka. So that bedeka buy it, bedeka buy it, right? Is used. The money for bedeka buy it is used to fix the building, to fix the mizbeach, to fix the offices. To fix the as lishachot, right? Lishachot in the Beit Hamikdash. There were these rooms that were used by various people, and then there were azarot. There were courtyards, and the courtyards were stone, but made of stone. So stone gets loose, gets dislodged. You have to fix it. You have to keep keep on fixing it, right? And in fact, there was a lishka, a lishka. There was an office of bedekabayit where the monies were kept and apparently the accounts were also kept what did you use it for, what did you fix right, what did you do and therefore <coughs> that's what is at the end of this parasha Vasut Yudbet V'natnu et ha-kesev ha-metukan al-yidei osei ha Hamufkadim Beit Hashem Uhu Osim Beit Hashem. You know, it was what they do with the money, they gave it to the workmen. The guys who worked in stone, the guys who worked in wood, the guys who know how to fix all these things. Right? The guys who made Gidarim, who made walls, low walls, fences, Chotzveha Eben. The ones who sat with us and, and banged away at the rocks until they got to the right to the right shape. Viliknot eight sim. And they used the money for eight sim. So what's the emphasis? As as we say we see in the halakha, the emphasis is on the fight. It's on the stones. It's on the wood. It's on the walls. That's what Benekabayit is. Achlo. Achlo yasev Beit Hashem. Sipot kesev. Mizamrot, mizrikot, chatzotzot, kol kli zahav, kol kli kesev. The kesev amuva Beit Hashem. Can it be clearer than that? But all of the things that you used in the Beit HaMikdash, all the small kelim, Right, the, the things that they spritzed with, and the things that you, the chatzot that you blew to, to call people's attention, clay zahav and clay keset, you don't make any of that stuff from the bedek habayit money. That's the halacha. Ki lo'oseyam l'chayit nu v'chizku bo et beit Hashem. That money is special. You use that money l'chazek et beit Hashem. And you don't use it to pay off anybody because they're doing it because it's the most important thing that they could possibly that they could possibly do. So another halacha. So korbanot, right? Anything that had to do with the korbanot they were brought. Mizbeach Sahav, the Mizbeach inside, inside the Kodesh that the Ketoret was put on. That little Mizbeach was made of gold, and it's a klisha eno mechubel akarka. 
because it was made of metal, it was made of gold. And so it was made, and just put it down. It wasn't like the big bath outside. The big bath outside was built of stones and, and earth. Okay? And the Klesha rate, the various utensils that were used with the Mizbeach, with the big Mizbeach, are called Tzorach Korban, Velo Tzorach Mizbeach. And therefore, if it was Tzorach Mizbeach, then the Mizbeach Mechul Belakarka. If the Mizbeach Mechul Belakarka, use the money for, you use the money for better Kabayat. But the Kalim that you use when you give a Korban, no, you can't use, you can't use it from, <coughs> but listen last it was remember the parish of Shkalim when's the parish of Shkalim? what? two weeks? I mean soon right? yes so that means that this is the time of the year that they collected Shkalim. What happens if they collected the Shkalim for the Karbanot and for the Benekabayit and then a year later when they came to collect it again there was still money left over. What did they do? I mean, they had this terrible problem that they had money that they hadn't used. So the halacha is this. The ma'ot that were collected and were left over, they fixed the bait of a dice, they fixed the fixed the fix, but there was nothing left to fix. Since they didn't need all of the money collected, Osin Mishar Ha Ma'ot Afklesharate. That you could use the ma'ot to do things that are not to make things that are not mechubalakarka. If you look at the pasuk at the last pasuk on the other side of the sheet, it divrayamim perik divrayamim bet perik of dal pasuk yudalit uchel chalotam. It's a, it's a, it's the parallel parallel idea, right? It's Yehoash and Yehoyada, right? These are the heroes here. Yehoash the king. And you hold Yadad the the Kohen. Okay, Chalotam Eviyot Nei Amelach Vio Yadad Shara Kesef. Says the Mefesh. What Shara Kesef? After Benakabayit. After they did what they had to do. After they fixed what they had to fix. There was this annual. There was going to be an annual campaign. Benakabayit. But when they collected the money, they had no way of knowing how much they would get, or whether it would be more than enough or less than enough. But that first year, So this was the halacha. The halacha was that Benekabayit the money that was brought for Benekabayit was used to make a tikkun for those things that are mechuma lekarka, those things that are <coughs> fixed, those things that are fixed. And if they a year passed and there was money left over, 
they were able to use the leftover money for the clay hamizbeach to make the various kalim that were needed the kalim that were needed for this uh, mizbeach let's just look quickly at that Mishnah The Mishnah in Masechet Shkalim says the same thing. Motar Truma Mayan of Simba, Rikiyei Zahav, Sipui Lepeit Kod Shei Kodashim. Rabbi Yishmael Omer Motar HaPeirot, they brought, Peirot means the money that they brought, the Kates HaMizbeach, for the, for the, Korbanot HaMizbeach, Motar Truma LeKlisharet, Rabbi Kiva Omer Motar Truma LeKates HaMizbeach, so in other words, the whole Mishnah, the whole Mishnah discusses this question of Motah. Right? The Mishnah talks about Motah. The Malachim Bet mentions Motah. The Vrayamin says clearly what the Halacha in, what the Halacha in, uh, says clearly what the Halacha uh, is for the Motah. That even though Bedekabayev goes only for the Mechuba Lakarka, for the floors, the walls, the Mizbeach, etc., the Motar can go for other things as well. So, this is what I think. If I had to define the difference between the Mishka and the, and the Mikdash, the Beta Mikdash that's going to be built. I would define it simple. The Mishkan, there's nothing that's mechubar lakarka. It's portable, you remember. Mechubar lakarka means that it's not portable. That's what mechubar lakarka is. And so you see, there's a Rashi. If you turn on uh, the second page, the Rashi, the Kosek says, Mishkan, Mishkan, Mishkan. Mishkan. So what's the Mishkan? What is it that the Bnei Gershon have to carry around with them? So Rashi says, Yiriot Tachtonot. And the Oel is Yiriot Izim Hasuyot Lagad. Michsehu Orot Elim Utechashim. So you see that the notion of Mishkan is portability. What's the Mishkan made out of? It's made out of curtains. It's made out of cloth. It's made out of skins. But nothing in the Mishkan is connected to the ground. I don't want to get you uh, uh, involved, but you know when you make a tent, everybody in Israel knows how to make a tent. It's not considered to be basic uh, learning. Uh, you have to go on a tiyul with B'nai Akiva and you have to learn how to make a tent. So how do you make a tent? You take a tent peg, which is a way of saying a large nail, and you bang it into the ground, and you stretch a string. Am I saying something that is like, uh, you want to see the video? I mean, you're in Israel, you have to know how to do this, everyone knows how to do this. That's what a tent is. So a tent has a little bit of mechubah lakarka to it, right? A little bit? How did they put up the beams of the mishka? Do you remember? You ever look at that book? This is the time of the year to look at the book with the pictures in it. Or go to some museum that has an exhibit or something, you know. Or, or look at it the, what do you call it? In the internet, they probably have a movie about the Mishkan. What? 
bamboo? Never mind. This is what they did. They had a base. They had a base. And the base had holes in it. And they put the, 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 the Amudim into those holes. Why am I telling you this? Because it was not Mechubal Akaka in any way. It wasn't Mechubal Akaka. They had this weight. There's a thing that was weighted on the, on the bottom. And you stuck a stick into it. And that's how it, that's how it stood. One to the other to the other. It was like, doesn't sound so I guess in the desert it was okay. Or it could be that the Anan, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, was on over them with this cloud. So that also helped them out. But there was no Mechubal Akaka in the Mishkan. So the Rashi said, you know what a Mishkan is? You see Rashi? He doesn't explain what the word Mishkan means, does he? He says, it's the curtains, it's the, it's the uh, pelts of animal skin, right? It's the, it's the other pelts that we use on top of, for, some of the, for the roof of it, and some to cover up the, the iron of it. What does Rashi say, that's what Mishkan means? He says, yeah. Mishkan means temporary. Mishkan means temporary. Matovu Ohalecha Yaakov, the next possible. Mishkinosecha Yisrael. So you could see in the in the way of the moderner way of learning Tanakh. Ohalecha is parallel to Mishkinotecha, right? That proves that we're modern, because we could say that. And, and so you see, just like an Ohel, so to a Mishkan. So too a Mishkan. Just like an oil is a temporary structure, so too is the Mishkan a temporary structure. So that's what Bilam noticed. <coughs> right? Mishkino Secho. Mishkino Secho. Rashi says, look at the Rashi. See the Rashi? Chani Yotecho. Mishkino Techo means where you stop. Right in the desert. As long as you were moving, where was the Mishkan? Where's the Mishkan? It was folded up. It didn't exist. I mean, the arrow existed. They were carrying it, but the rest of the stuff was packed into suitcases. And they were going, they were going the rest of the stuff with camels and horses and donkeys or whatever they had. Right? So when is there a Mishkan? Only when they camp. Only when they stop. So you know how temporary it is? It didn't even always exist. Just like an oil, take it apart, you put it up again. So do the Mishkan, you take it apart, you put it up, so there's nothing, not a smell of Mechubal Akarka. There's not a smell of Mechubal Akarka in the Mishkan at all. And so now we understand the Pshatim Psukim, the Negisrael were coming and giving donations. Right, they were, they were going wild. They were like, here, take everything. Of course, what else would they spend the money on? I don't, I don't know. But okay, they were righteous. They gave a lot of money for the building of the Mishkan. The Chachomim, who are Chachomim, Chachmei Leiv. But I guess they were also Chachomim, right? People who can do things, usually can do things. And they know things. So the Chachomim came to Moshe Rabbeinu. And what the Chachomim say? They said, the Mishkan... Is not mechubal akarka, right? And since it's not mechubal akarka, we don't need the extra money. Because what would the extra money be used for ultimately in the Beit Hamikdash? 
but be used for Bedek Habayit. But in the Mishkan, there is no Bedek Habayit. There's no, there's no wear and tear. Uh, I guess there's wear and tear and everything, but not much wear and tear. Besides, which at this time, they were supposed to go directly there to Israel, right? This is before the Miraglim, the fate of the Miraglim. Five these Chachmei knew they were on their way. So they said, then we don't need it. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Ere I'm going to send out a message to everybody tell them they don't need it. So he sent out the message, and he said, don't bring any more. But then the terrorist says, Becholzot, there was a little bit left over. Right? And what's the little bit left over going to be used for? The Kalim of the Mizbeach. Because they knew that they would give Korbanot, and they would serve God in the Midbar, and there would be a problem, you know, things get used. So that little bit that was left over was okay, it was the, the whole time, doesn't mean it was left over. It means it has, it's the classification of Hotar. It's, it's what Hotar is. Right? The Hotar. That's the last puzzle that, that I printed on the sheet, right? Hamlachaita Dayam, Nekolam Lachala Sotota, the Hotar. So what, what, what was the Hotar? What was the Hotar? The Hotar was what they put away to make the Kalim that they would have to replace when they did the Avodah, they didn't need Berekabai because there was no, there was no Bechubalakarka. There was nothing in the Mishkan that was connected to the ground. That would come only in the time of the, of the Beit HaMikdash. So now we can see also, uh, so I mean, this, this interpretation is based on what the Ramban said. Right, because the Ramban is the one who suggested the Ramban who suggested the idea that this might be part of the Bedek Habayit. They may have used it for Bedek Habayit, even though the Torah didn't tell us exactly where it was put. And I'm changing that and saying when he said Bedek Habayit, I think maybe the Ramban made everything that could be used for better Kabbalah. So in the Beit HaMikdash, first they had to fix the building, and if there's anything left over, they would use it for the other Kalim. In the Mishkan, there was no need for better Kabbalah, so all they did with the Hotel <coughs> was save the money, save the money for the, for the Kalim. So that there's a distinction between the Mishkan and the Mikdash. In the Mishkan, there's no Berekabayit, and the Mikdash, there is. And I mentioned to you before that there's an obvious difference between the Mishkan and the Mikdash. The idea in the Mishkan was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu dwelt somehow within the camp of Israel. If the Mishkan was in the middle, and on each of the four sides of the square there were three tribes, and the Levim were in the middle, that meant that the availability of that kind of spiritual life existed for all of B'nai Israel. And so, you know, in the Hasidim, the Pritzadik says at length, but also it appears in other Sifrei Hasidus, where they try to explain how could it be that, the, uh, that B'nai Israel were fooled by the Meraglim. 
How could it be that they took the word of the ten and didn't take the word of Yeshua and Kohei, who came back and said, it's a wonderful place, we should go there. So what happened? The Hasidim said, this is the Sifre Hasidim, that's where I know it from. Maybe some Yisnagid also wrote it someplace, but I know it from Sifre Hasidim. The Hasidim say, they say, it wasn't, it wasn't that they believed. It wasn't that they believed the Muradim. What they couldn't believe was that anything could be better than what they had. Imagine, they were in the desert, and HaKadosh Baruch the Spirit of God, the, the, the cloud of God's Shechina was there all the time. The Beit HaMikdash, the Avodat Hashem, it's kind of from the point of view, from our point of view. Or if you go and ask a child in the first grade, he would explain to you that this is the most wonderful thing that could ever happen. And even if there were altercations from time to time, even if there was a Bolok or a Pincha or, or a Korach, somehow Moshe Rabbeinu was there to straighten it out. I mean, he prepared the difficulties of the Midbar to the difficulties Am Yisrael had in Eretz Yisrael. I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about then. Today it goes without saying. But then, the difficulty they had, the split, Yudah, Yisrael, Galut, another Galut. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's hard to even fathom what B'nai Yisrael were going through all the time. And here they were in the desert. And as the Ramban said, <coughs> I told you, the Ramban said in his introduction to the book of Shemot, that when B'nai Yisrael built the Mishkan, and the Shekhinah had a place in that Mishkan, then uh, it, it was just a wondrous thing. There was nothing like it. They had returned to the level of the Avot, of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. That's what the Ramban, that's what the Ramban said. So the Hasidim say, the Pritzadik says, how can you blame the day Yisrael for not wanting to go to Eretz Yisrael? Because what was Eretz Yisrael? It was the real. It was Olam Hazet. It was like solving problems all the time. It was getting into discussions and disagreements and, and not being able to, to, to get along with everybody on the same issue at the same time. That was Eretz Yisrael. Here, B'nai Yisrael, they're living with the Mishka, with Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, uh, the man. I mean, why, why would they want something else? So, so in, in some convoluted way, they had made up their mind before that they weren't going to go to Eretz Yisrael. And therefore they were listening to the ten, but not because they were saying something reasonable. Don't forget, if the argument was, is it safe? Is it a good deal? Is it something that, you know, we could get? For, that, then they would have gone. But the argument for B'nai Yisrael was, could it be better than this? Could it be better than what we have now? And what was the nafkimina? What was the nafkimina? Because they knew that in Eretz Yisrael, they would have to build the Beit HaMikdash. And the Beit HaMikdash, as I said, was not something that was available. You know what the connection that every Jew could have to the Beit HaMikdash in an ongoing manner was? Better combined. Every year, you gave your donation, and you knew that the Beit HaMikdash was being fixed because of you. You didn't see it. You didn't know what was going on. You weren't there all the time. It was a different level. It was a different level of, in other words, because, because you were involved in the Mechubah, the Karka, every day, 
you are building your house, and you are farming your land, and you are building your industry, whatever it may have been, you are Bechubel Akarka, and you are supporting the Mikdash that was Bechubel Akarka. The Mishkan was another level. The Mishkan was given to the Nei Yisrael, apparently, so that they could have a dream in Eretz Yisrael. That the Mikdash was also a Mishka. And that somehow it would be possible to convert Eretz Yisrael into a place that the Shechina is there. That was the, that was the, the challenge. And, and it was something that was hard to imagine. But in the Torah there are always these kinds of flashbacks. We want you to get to where you were already. We want B'nai Yisrael, the God of Israel, to get to Avram, Yisrael, and Yaakov. We want B'nai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael to get to where they were in the Midbar, where they built the Mishkan. So that the key to this understanding, I think, is Berek Abayit. And Berek Abayit is a halacha that's the Mechubel Akarka. And in the Mishkan, there was nothing that was Mechubel Akarka. And therefore, there was no Berek Abayit. But the hotel, what was left over, was used for the clay hamikdash, and this is the kind of essence of the difference between the mishkan and the mikdash. That the mishkan was not bechubal akaka, the mishkan was bechubal hashanai. It was connected to heaven, and the shkina, God's presence, that's heaven, was there at the at the mishkan, the beit hamikdash. Is mechubal a karka? Because you have to fix it. You have to clean it up. You have to make it look like it should look. And that mechubal a karka represents who we are in Eretz Yisrael. We are of the karka, but we are striving to make the Beit Hamikdash into the Mishkan that we remember from the days in the desert. Have a good job.